you for having us here. It's wonderful. Um, very special group. I love your singing. I love the way the children get involved. They yeah. do. It's really yeah. good. The making things go for it. Shout! Yeah. Yeah, musical children. Um, well, it really is a great privilege to be here. Um, I think um, to start off with that, I thought it would be good just to explain a bit about where we're coming from. Mm. I think what's in our hearts. Um, have we got Bibles? Mm. Okay. No, we don't believe in that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, could we start with 1 Samuel? Chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Shall we thank you? 1 Samuel. Chapter 1 Samuel, three. chapter 3. And verses 1 to 10. I, I love this scripture because it gives, I feel like, an eternal picture of our children. Yeah, please. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. I, I'm sure you'll love this passage, especially when we think about our children, because it's God's calling our children. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I think that's such a big thing when he what, as parents, we want to pass on is um, we want our children to be representatives of God, we want our children to, um, to be what God wants them to be. But really that so much comes down to God calling them. And that's something I feel is, is really key for us in our prayers. It's just that God will call our children, as he would uh, reveal himself to them, um, that they would have 
a very real faith, um, a personal and a real connection with him. So it's, I think that's something very much in my heart. I think probably for all of us, mm -hmm. we very much want that. Um, it's a wonderful thing to think that God would call our children mm. um, a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And that he would, you know, he would have amazing plans for them in that way. Um, the second thing I want to share was, um, I grew up in a, um, in a very old-fashioned family. Um, and one of my uncles, when he was 20, had a breakdown, had a nervous breakdown. Now, I'm not sure all the details of what went on, but I think that it was the 60s, and they were experimenting a lot with all sorts of brain section or whatever, but there was strange stuff going on. The thing I think I would like to share is how the effect that had on me. Um, as a young child, you watch, um, your relative, he's not quite right, and um, you wonder what's going on there. And of course the fear was, will the same thing happen to me? Um, I, I was a, in my teens, I was probably the definition of a workaholic. Um, working like crazy on all hours of days to get a level required for med school. Um, and, uh, and I remember being told, you're just like your Uncle David. <laughs> and of course, on the surface, you laugh it off. But underneath, it hits very deep. Um, there's a scripture I'd like to read and I feel like this is something very much for me, very real for me. Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27. I'll read it. Thanks, man. <clears throat> Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Um, I think this really sums up <coughs> so much for me and what... Um, raising children with God is about because without God quite literally we fall to pieces um, but with God comes an amazing strength and um, it's made, made lots of me to be able to um, have the desire to pass on my faith our faith um, to the next generation because it gives them tremendous strength. Um, so those are two things, two thoughts that uh, I would like to introduce you or just sort of um, 
basis which they on. Um, that's me, that's us. Um, I think probably as parents, I, I talk a lot with that in mind. Um, Malcolm very kindly sent through some thoughts um, and maybe we can start off with these and then open it up for a bit of a Q&A. Um, I think there are five questions. Um, the first one I think, I, I forget the whole um, uh, sentence, but it was about challenging moments um, in our lives as parents. I think um, life as parents is amazingly busy. I mean, it's incredible how much, um, how busy as parents in our 30s and 40s um, and 50s, how, how busy we are with our children. Um, and two things I had in mind was um, that stage when the children start to grow up. I think that's quite a challenging stage. Really from seven onwards, I think. Um, children seem to be quite cute until a certain age, and then they become more adolescents and they grow up. And uh, I think that transition from being mum and dad to being friends is a very important one. Um, some parents find this easier than others, but it is a very important stage, I think, that, that we're able to, to make this move from being um, primarily just providers, helpers, great supporters, to being um, friends. I mean, grow up together. I think for me, that was quite a, a challenging stage for us. Um, my mother was a great example to me, but I always felt like um, I found that difficult um, just uh, to be to do that transition well. And I think with that transition becomes the importance of weekends. Um, weekends become so important because especially I think with children in secondary school um, they get so busy during the week they, they don't have the freedom after school they used to have um, and our weekends become so important I think um, I used to feel quite discouraged if on Monday I felt the weekend hadn't been used well for the yeah. children yeah. Um, because so much was going on if I didn't make most of the weekends then the opportunity with um, Penlads we miss. Mm. So that was one thing I, I very much had in mind the weekends. Um, so challenging moments. Um, the second thing Mark mentioned was um, friendship with other children. I think Ben, you can share about this. Yes. 
So um, it is friendship and the children for you guys going up. Yeah, so it's kind of, it, it says here how to encourage, um, how to encourage, develop helpful friendships with other kids and how to be involved as a parent. So for me, uh, I always felt very grateful to mum and dad because uh, they would always facilitate the option and the opportunity for me to build relationships with other kids my age in the church. So they were very, when I look back, they were incredibly uh, charitable being the taxi service post, uh, post Friday night church to uh, any sleepover and come and collect me on a Saturday morning. So and I can imagine as I look back then, as I, uh, you know, when I was 14, I thought, oh, they'd just collect me because, you know, they just do. But now I, <laughs> that's what you're trying to think now. But, you know, as I look back, I think how grateful I, I, I am to them driving all that way. They'd drive, you know, 40 minutes from um, Yateley to Marlow for, um, you know, me to spend time with another guy called Elliot. Uh, you know, he's a Christian. Uh, uh, he's a Christian now. He's probably my best friend. Um, and I just really feel so grateful for that. And I think it's a real, uh, you know, it's a real, it's, it's a great example of um, giving your children the best chance to build the relationships and build the, the uh, building blocks for their lives that are going to help them in the long term. Because I can imagine that on a Saturday morning there are more, more pressing ma- uh, matters than collecting your, your, your child from a sleepover. And, you know, it would be very, very easy, I think, for mum and dad to have felt like, well, you won't have a sleepover you know, because I, I, I've got a lot to do this weekend, and I think that was a really great example. And I think a lot of these relationships I built as a young, you know, as, as a teenager, and even, you know, I knew Elliot from, you know, age five, and, you know, the, those relationships were cultivated. And now Elliot's my, my best friend, he's a Christian, and we mutually encourage each other spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I've got more friends like that. I've got Alex Heath, who I speak to every, every, um, every week on the phone. Heinrich's a great friend to me. Um, you know, a lot of friends who, who really had those, our relationship invested in by me and also by, you know, other people, mum and dad, who've helped cultivate that. So I'd encourage you to definitely give your children a chance to have great relationships with other people, uh, other, other kids in the church their age by, you know, giving the, you know, facilitating that as much as, as possible. Does that make sense? We enjoyed that. We used to sit having coffee in... The coffee area above the swimming pool. And what you do is you spend time with the parents yeah. of the yes. others, so you get like. And you, know, you guys have been swimming. Yeah, you get fellowship we time at the same time. We'd have a great time. We'd have a great time moving us out. Exactly. And you'd yeah. be crashing around the pool with, with Heinrich and Francois. But that, um, you, you, you were able to build strong, you know, yes. disciplinary relationships, and I was able to build yeah. friendships, which I now have as those fellowship, <coughs> fellowships. So it was very important, and it was something that was quite enjoyable for us. But thank you very much for sharing that. The, uh, I was trying to call Reef for some of yeah. Um, <clears throat> um thing here I've got written down is how to help our children with their decisions. Um, there are all kinds of decisions. And one of the best way of doing this, um, Shelby, do you want to mention anything about that? Well, I suppose it depends how old they are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think the older they become, our children become tend to become more assertive, which is great, because they tend to, they're growing up and they're 
beginning to become young adults, especially as they enter into the adolescent stage. And so I think for me, I had to, I'm quite a controlling person naturally, a lot more than Tim would be. Tim's more of a, well, he's not easygoing at all, actually. He's much more, he's very intense. But he's very, um, quite a, good at listening and very, just with the children, he would have been less controlling naturally than me. So I had to work very hard on being a good listener and not reacting <laughs> when um, Ben or Alice would try to assert their opinions in a strong way and sometimes in an extreme way and um, you know extreme language like never or always might be used or even it might be quite accusatory at times um, but my, my challenge <laughs> Alice isn't here so that's great yeah. she's doing well by the way there's nothing wrong with Alice she's having a Bible study that's why she yeah she could be here she's studying the Bible with one of the teens Anyway, but, you know, I think at times it, it was tempting, and even now, you know, Ben's 26 next March, yeah. getting great, and yeah, Alice has just turned 24, you know, just for me to make sure that I don't react when they might come out with some decision they've made or that they're thinking about, but to, to really be calm and remember that God is in control and it'll actually be fine. And it may even pass, and this may just be an idea that is here today and gone tomorrow, which a lot of them are actually, especially when the children are younger. A lot of these ideas, they come and they go. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, just remembering that all of our children are on a journey, and it's like there's no um, right way for them to become Christians or to, you know, even when they become Christians, to stay Christians. Life's full of a lot of convolutions and there's no motorway to heaven. <laughs> there's a lot of side roads to get lost down for a while and dead ends and U-turns to be had. And You know, for me, I've had to really remember to trust God so that when, you know, it's these decisions are being made or when these challenging moments, as Tim spoke about, come and you feel like, this isn't going well or this isn't the right way or... You know, this isn't what God wants to say. No, this is this will be fine. I don't need to react. I don't need to take charge. I just need to love unconditionally and have faith that this road will be travelled, but that God will um, guide my child or my children, and that they'll learn through their mistakes, and it will be okay. Not till the day we are all dead. Is it over? <laughs> and uh, you know, it, even in, in Thames Valley, we have people who became Christians after they went to university. We have people who are still at university and haven't become Christians. We've got a real mix, and it, it's okay. You know, I didn't become a Christian until I was 22. You know, people in Thames Valley, we had Sid who didn't become a Christian until he was 92. Was he 92 or 93? I can't remember. So everybody has a different path, and I think. The overwhelming thing I've had to learn is whatever happens, I've got to trust God. Mm -hmm. Just because so-and-so's <coughs> child seems to be like that doesn't mean all is lost. Mm -hmm. And I know that some of you might think, well, it's all right for you. Your kids are, ch are Christians and you've got it all sorted. No, it's not all sorted. There's a long life ahead. <laughs> you know, we, we hope. 
<laughs> there's a lot more years to go. And yes. you know, like for me, having been a Christian for 34 years now, it's like it hasn't always been straightforward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are ups and there are downs and there are winding roads and dead ends and all that stuff. I was just saying. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, just with helping them to to make decisions, just trying not to be to give advice and say, well, but not to force it. Mm -hmm. You know, to say, would you like to know what I think? If not asked. Would you like to know? If not asked, which does happen. <laughs> Can I tell you what I think? <laughs> not, would you like to know what I think? <laughs> Let me tell you not. Would you like to know what I think? And it might perhaps be worth considering this, you know. Yeah. So, but that's, I think when they're younger it's different. But I'm talking more about that. Does that answer that question? I yeah. we give some examples of decisions. Mm. Do you know, okay. Did it take one? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> we will we'll have to do it on Ben, that's what She always does. She's been doing it ever since she was young. Um, <laughs> so, I was choosing my GCSE options when okay. I was about 14. Okay. And uh, you know, when you're 14, you're not thinking about what's going to help you long term, you're just thinking about the classes that you find fun. And I had this strange idea that I was going to do technology, um, technology GCSE. And I wasn't really, I wasn't really good at technology, but it, you know, you got to do, it was basically just woodwork. And I liked the idea, of, I didn't fancy doing anything, you know, you know, that actually like, I felt would be hard work. So I just wanted to have a good time in the, in the, in the workshop and just you know, have fun. And, uh, you know, I, my mum, I never liked French, and, and uh, <laughs> mum was like, I said to mum, yeah, I'm going to do tech, technology, GCSE, and uh, mum was like, what about French, uh, GCSE? <laughs> and uh, I was like, no, I'm doing technology, GCSE. And uh, she, through hook or by crook, got me round to do French, GCSE, instead of technology, GCSE. Now I look back on doing what would have happened if I'd done technology, technology GCSE. Most people who did technology GCSE in my school did terribly. So I'm actually really <laughs> glad that I did French and I got a top grade in it. And that was, I, I feel very grateful that you know, God put mum there and helped me guide to make a, a wiser decision. She didn't force me, it was strongly encouraged. I look back and I just think it was by God's grace because I didn't really. If I, I if it had been by myself, I would have done technology and it wouldn't have it would have distracted from my other subjects. I wouldn't yeah. have done well. That's what happened to other kids. I could see in the in the, in, the, in the year and you know French was something that I actually got good at. You know, so mm. uh, that was a time where I was strongly encouraged and never forced, but strongly encouraged to make a wise decision, even though it wouldn't have been my first choice of decision. So does that does that make sense? But if your child's great at tech. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, I was great. not good at tech, but I was self-deceived. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to thought it was going to be fun, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. The next was around body parts. Um, body parts. Wags. Okay. Um, girls. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, boys and girls, all these things. Um, <laughs> we, the thing that we had to our advantage was obviously from our very rural farming country backgrounds. We were, um, as children, we were always raised with, um, I think everything in our, in our household 
reproduce. We always had ducks, we always had chickens, we always had goats, we had horses, we had cattle. I mean, everything was reproducing. It just amazes me how much really was going on in my childhood. My mother was amazing at this stuff. It's a bit like energy touch reproduced. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we were fairly broke, I remember, when we were, the children were young. And we needed to raise some money for things. Um, so we decided to have puppies. Um, but actually for us, or for me, was very easy because things you do in your childhood are just easy, they just are. So we would produce these um, um, really quite, quite sort of high-end Labradors, good Labradors, um, so we'd make some money there sometimes. Um, but the reason I mentioned it was it was just an opportunity to talk about body parts without it being a big deal. I remember Ben Alice coming to watch one of the dogs mated. Um, you must have been about no younger, I would think, because we got the dog in 2003. 2003. We were breeding by 2005. Um, and you were fully involved. Yeah. Um, like so, so, uh, so was, uh, I think the, the, the way I want to present that is that there are sort of maybe natural things that are going on in your family which help, that was something that helped mm -hmm. France mm -hmm. with that. Um, it was just a very easy sort of extension without any weirdness or strangers. Um, I can't really say the right way to do that, but I would say why not um, think about you know, things that are, you know, the way it's going. Um, that may be helpful. Um, is there anything you want to add to that? I feel like mum and dad did a good job of letting things come up, like, you know, you know, this was suddenly asked, you know, what's a, you know, or we heard this word, what does it mean? And uh, rather than being sat down at the table, you know, saying, right, today we're going to figure out how it all happens, you know, it was more, we, it, we'd be asking, we'd start asking, like, you know, we'd hear a word, we'd be like, we haven't heard that word before, and we'd ask them, oh, what's, you know, and then we'd be like, right, now we'll tell you. So we didn't, it wasn't like, we just, they put it, we didn't have to know, it wasn't appropriate, so it was when it came up, that was when, I think, and that, that to me made sense, and I think that's, that, that seemed, that seemed like a good idea. So. Thank you. <clears throat> the uh, last question was about um, helping our children to have a resilient faith. Um, I think a conviction I had from Fairly on was I really wanted Ben Alice to grow up knowing the Bible. Um, and um, I remember being at a conference 
and Ben was about probably a month old. I went to the conference and uh, I talked uh, to Sam Lang, who wrote a book mm. we always read mm. about such. And uh, he said, um, the thing that really he looks back on is really encouraging his children to know the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, we certainly took that very much to heart. Um, when they were little, they had toddlers' Bibles, and we were really quite fanatical, I think. We were forced to that age. We were forced that age to read our Bibles. Uh, in the morning and the evening, every morning. I think, Always. I would guess, <laughs> I'm glad I would think, now, I think, morning and evening, every day. every day of your life. Yeah, until I was about 10 or something. Yes. Um, and that, though it sounds very boring and very heavy, um, it definitely wasn't. It was fun. Um, Family yeah. devotionals were great, by they the were way. Mad, Acting right? devotionals. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Herod, and, Herod and the worms. That would be Herod, would be the worms. It was great. Eating them up. So I think just, if in doubt, one thing <coughs> in parenting, I feel, is the more we can teach our children the scriptures, the great blessing they'll be in the future because children and adults do need to know right and wrong and there's so much good narrative in the scriptures that opens itself up to wonderful storytelling yeah. um, so that's something that I, I put down with that in mind um, so anyway now it's over to you we would love to know your thoughts. Just a quick question on what you're speaking about now. A lot of the kiddies' Bibles, the <coughs> stories, are all of Old Testament in general. Uh -huh. We have the um, Jesus' um, parables and that. But Raph's kind of the age now when he asks a lot of questions about it. And some of it's quite hard Old Testament, I'll be honest. Some of the messaging is, I mean, they're and Goliath. I mean, it's, we're trying to encourage them to play nicely, and here you know, we're acting out, David killing Goliath. I mean, sometimes I, I appreciate, obviously, it's good for them to know their stories, but I, I find, I mean, Liesl's giving some great advice about, in terms of finding a scripture in the New Testament and kind of talking about that with him. But any other ideas on how to make the New Testament come more alive with young kids? How is Raph? Raph's fine. Yeah. But quite, I mean, he's probably quite an analytical five year old, and I don't think mm. he's. he's um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when we do acting out of very inquisitive, I mean, he really is not so sure, you know, talking about the creation, where's the dinosaurs fit in? Mm. Mm. You know, a day is a very short, like, he's a really kind of, you know, what about the cavemen? It's fine, you know. He asked the most difficult questions in the classes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the teachers were like, I think it's more about like, the spirit of the scripture and, and, and is it about the New Testament, I think, in terms of the ones I wanted to take away, not just know the Old Testament. Yeah. Mm. Any advice I have I would that imagine way? that inquiring mind, though, is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's matter of just giving him something he needs to hear things talk through. Ben was like, Probably. Um, 
I think there's, I mean, from, from what I remember, there's a lot of good stories in acts like, you know, Herod or Peter in prison, those sorts of things. They're always, mm. yeah, they're <coughs> New Testament stories. So you look through acts, you'll probably find quite a lot. Quite adventurous. Quite adventurous. So that would be a thought. Um, you know, and you learn, you get so much faith from that. Like, you just, you think, if God can get Peter out of prison mm. with an angel, he can fix my problems. And you, you, you know, that becomes intrinsic because you're a mm. person when you start reading those things. So that would be my thought there. Thank you. <coughs> yeah, the book of Acts was out um, The Gospels, I, I think, I think a lot of it probably comes down to us as parents, but I think whatever lights our imagination, mm. probably on to the children quite a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, five. Let's think of five-year-old. Um, I think helps a five-year-old. An example of mum and dad. That's probably the biggest thing. Well, the spiritual example. Do you know when I kill him, try and kill him every night in the bath? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. But you just could do calming the storm. Oh, yeah. 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 Whizzing up and down the bath. Yeah, the waves crazy. going. Yeah, I think it's all mum and dad. Because your brother and me are gods. That would be my fault. Example, mum and dad, and then just make sure they just keep. You know, a lot of these questions, like mum says, they will pass. And you know he'll go probably go through stages where cavemen's a big deal. He, I don't think he'll be think you don't think he'll be doubting God at no, this stage. I think, I think. So I think it's probably just a phase, and you can always work it in as well. You can use your imagination where well it might. I don't know exactly. The Bible doesn't say where cavemen are, but maybe it could be in between the sixth and seventh day or the fifth and sixth day. I don't know. And then you know, and you start to at least. Uh, you know, he gets some, some answers to his questions and they're able really to mature in his, his faith and just keep him reading, really. Because the more he reads, the, you know, the more that seed will grow. So that would be my advice, just is, keep him reading. Is Raph a good reader? Oh, yeah, I mean, in the sense of himself, <coughs> no, not so much yet. Yeah, but, I, mean, I would say that there's something we'll find, we'll develop. Um, ben has a very good readers. I think by the time they left, in the school, they had adult age, um, so they were very good readers. Mm. Um, because we read the Bible so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we read a lot together, didn't yeah. we? And we read a lot of um, Jeremy Fisher and all yeah, these yeah, yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not in the Bible. <clears throat> no, but, um, yeah. but, yeah, so spending time. Um, you know, that's uh, sort of a, a bright, inquiring mind. I think it's a really positive thing. Something that um, I really treasure with Ben, when he got adolescent-ish, and when you start reading, you really started oh, the case for a case for creator, oh, yeah. in case for Christ. They will call you a Christian yeah. one day. Some were before, some were as. So yeah. it was a bit of both. Um, probably did a bit of reading aged 13, did a bit more reading aged 16, more reading, still read now. Um, yeah, that. and um, you also did a lot of reading around 
evidences. Yeah. This was something that was a, a bit inquiring mind growing up, really wanting to know answers. So, yeah, yeah. And I treasure that because anybody who gets into an argument with men about anything, I'm really sorry for them because <laughs> when somebody's read so much, they tend to have the answers. So you may find with Rath that he grows up reading for himself, answering his own questions in his teens. That may be a great, great, great blessing. I certainly feel like for us that was a great blessing. Others also would read alum, I mean, quite shortly. Even now, she's a great reader, but she would read things, um, C.S. Lewis sort of stuff, and really develop her own ideas. Um, so I think that the, the power of a young mind yeah. is amazing, really. Um, I was a terrible reader, dreadful reader. I never read a book until I was probably 17, 16 or 17. I was always too busy outside with goats and pigs and horses and all this stuff, yes. Um, but, but Ben and Alice were amazing readers, and I think that was a great blessing. So, um, I think focusing on strengths, focusing on strengths is a great thing. Um, to a certain degree, help weaknesses become stronger, but your children's strengths will always be what they're good at. So strengths becoming greater strengths is more the key, I think, to helping our children um, find their way in life. Another question. Please. Um, so this is for older children, and perhaps Ben, you might be able to give us some advice as well. So as um, some of our children have got older, naturally they're extremely good-looking young men, um, and there, there has been, you know, we've, we've hit sort of situations where there are girls that have been interested in them, and, you know, and they're obviously at that hormonal stage where they also are finding girls attractive um, and I think we've you know obviously we've spoken from our point of view we've also set some boundaries about girlfriends and you know and that sort of thing but it, I, I, I'm very I think we're very aware that we don't want to sort of set this um, you know that you this well to make Christianity and following God in any way look sort of like, well, you can't have a girlfriend because we want you to be here. Um, you know, it's just sort of finding the right balance of advising them well, protecting them, you know, any advice on this sort of stage in life? This bit over Alice, who's not here. How old are they? So, Ollie is 20, he's just turned 20, and Jude is 16, soon to be 17. I always think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's difficult. I mean, I became a Christian at 14, and that's, that's a big thing. Um, I suppose, 
I think, well, I think mum and dad always presented being a Christian and for doing things God's way as it was help for life. It was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. life would run better. It's like the house on the rock. Like, your life runs better if you do it God's way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you might not see why that is. It might not always feel nice. But I, I, with something like being a Christian, I never felt forced into being a Christian and never felt because of that would never have felt forced to not have a girlfriend or something mm. you know, I would I would always have felt like oh well, if God wants the best for me then I guess I want that as well so I guess if he thinks that this, this is the best way to do things then it probably is and you know I think I why would I want to do it a different way so I thought I was more persuaded by the truth to want to do things God's way mm-hmm. rather than told in especially with something like that with you know girlfriends and things um, so that, that so that would be my thought would be as much as you can try and persuade using the Bible and you know mm-hmm. using and then again that's where again mum and dad's example came in because I could see their example shone about how to live Mm-hmm. And because of that, I was like, okay, well, this is clearly how I need, how everybody needs to live because this works, and mm-hmm. the TV doesn't work, the media doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know, David Beckham's life doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know, like, <laughs> you know, that, that sort of thing. Like, so that's 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 a thought. Um, I mean, at the same time, when someone gets to sixteen or twenty, they they are very much their own people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think. My again, I'm not. I I'm not, might not be the best person to ask because I I haven't been in that situation with you know being not not Christian at that age. I think there has to be a stage where I think a bit like what Mum was saying with the roads thing, with the dead ends mm-hmm. and stuff. You have to almost like um, love them to commit to whatever they choose. Obviously, you might not think it's the best. But you're going to support them with whatever they choose because you love them. Yeah. And when they, you know, you're praying that they choose the right path. And if they don't, then you walk down the path with them, and you're there when they're ready to turn around or whatever. That that would be my thought. Yeah. What do you guys think? That, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. There's a, from, from my point of view on that, there's a huge temptation to say, "I sold you so." Don't say that. I'm not unconditional. Yeah, 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 your children's heart and brain is very difficult. Well, if you can share that, that's the kind of well, that's the, lots yeah, of time. So you've done the right thing, and yeah. you know, but it's up to you whether you want to listen. Got really open lines, you know, like we have good, great relationships. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk yeah. very openly with us about everything, you know. So yeah. that's. But just if you've got any, like, you know, I don't know, really. But the but the persuading and you know what you were saying before about the decision and helping you make a good choice and things is really helpful. I think what I mean Alice was a really encouraging example. She went to Bristol to study in five years, and I think many people would have said that was a bad idea because there was a strong church in Bristol. Mm-hmm. Um, but she went to university there. She had a Bible session. Um, and I think she would say, um, 
I think she would probably say that the convictions you have as a young person get you through a bit. Mm. I mean, Alice was always very chaste. Um, yeah. She was always... But there was no compromising about it. No. Alice she was always... Yeah. She was always very desired, Alice. Mm. Um, um, but she used to tell them, you know... In your dreams, she said. In your like, dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, get yeah. off. But, yeah, like... <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, get off. She was never anywhere. <clears throat> so that was the conviction that I think, again, she learned through you guys and through the Bible from a young age, and I think that's where... Yeah. You know, you have a chance with, you know, five-year-olds to really make a great impact. So, should we talk a little bit about that, those adolescent years? Because, especially with Alice, that a little favour for me. Um, <clears throat> again, because of my background, horses were the great savers of. Of, of our family in many ways. Um, it sounds very, very privileged, but actually, for me, horses were quite easy. They were just, what I grew up with, whatever you grew up with, you can actually do relatively cheaply. Um, so, we bought two horses when Alice was 10, um, broke them, and then rode them every day um, until she was probably 16. 18, was that? Yeah, well, and died when we were 16. So, um, but that was, I mean, I remember the conversations as I would have. We would, the great thing about riding is, riding young horses, is you can't try and do anything else while you're looking up and there you, you have to be 100% there. No. Um, but um, we used to talk a lot. I, my feeling is that young girls are more challenging than young boys. My feeling is because I always felt with Ben that if we get him convinced, we have no problem. He had such a good mind that he would follow his, his mind. So it was all a matter of, of guiding his mind. Well, with Alice, it was about, we don't know what was going on with Alice. <laughs> she would say, we'd be riding around, and she would say, I like I'll give you an example. She was about thirteen and she said to me, No, probably eleven. And she said to me, I'm such a liar. <clears throat> I remember this conversation because I remember thinking, Oh my goodness, what is she gonna say? <laughs> and we she just talked about how she would say things to be a people pleaser. Um, and the example she gave was how, in maths, she was always strong in maths, but she would pretend to be rubbish at maths <laughs> to fit in. Oh. 
So she would say, you know, I don't understand, I you know, I do what they on. Where she knew very well, I mean, the girl got 10 HR in Jesus' knees. I mean, she's a very clever girl. But she had this people-pleasing streak in her, where she really wanted to be liked over and above everything else. Um, so we would talk, from lovely thing about writing is we used to talk for ages about this stuff. Um, and that was a great help. But in some ways I don't think that had to be writing there. It could have been sitting in a coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. That could have been sitting in a library. You probably had some chat shopping as well. Yes, yeah, and you and her were great shoppers, weren't yeah. you? <laughs> but I think winning Alice, in my head, was more challenging or more complicated because <coughs> she was such a people pleaser. Um, she, she has an amazing ability to get on with people. She still has an amazing ability to get on with people. Um, which was what helped. Another example I'll give of her was how at school when she was probably about 16 or 17, she would go to the library to study the Bible with her friend Ems, which I think is extraordinary. I still think that's extraordinary. And Ems became a Christian, and Ems is still a Christian. Um, and but it was this, this time at school, in the library, studying the Bible together, mm. helping her become a Christian, which to me is extraordinary. Yeah. I did, I'm really proud of her with that. Um, and then when she, I know she really, really hated having a Bible discussion at university, but she found it so frightening and so uncool <laughs> but actually people loved her Bible discussion because she was so cool. <coughs> Alex became a Christian. Alex is now her boyfriend. Um, so, I mean, it was quite extraordinary how that, how that developed. I wish she was here. I'm sorry she's not. I'd love her to share about that. Um, maybe she could come in at the time and share. Um, but she was sort of the cool kid who, who wanted to fit in, which you weren't. Um, <laughs> you didn't I was told not to be there. No, and it just wasn't you. It just wasn't how you text, whereas it was how I was text. So it might be good to have her share at some point. I think her perspective on your kids would be 16 and 20 year old would be quite, I think she'd have something good to say about that. I think she would. Yeah. I think she would. I think she'd be very happy to come and circle up after church yeah. and talk. And maybe specifically, she would be more helpful. She's a very polar opposite. Really. We're so different, it's bizarre. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So you're more intellectually convinced. She is more cool. <laughs> <laughs> so she's 
she is cool. I was never cool at school. No, she was very cool. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great example. You know. She was sort of personal. If being a, if Alice was a Christian, being a Christian was cool. I was always the outcast, the yeah. radical outcast at school. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got like, you know, yeah. So. Um, we're going to have to wrap up in a minute. Is there anything else? Yeah. We, yeah. Let me, yeah. Just before you do that, just so I can explain what we're uh, going to do. So we're going to take communion in a moment. We just need enough time to do for prayer. Prayer and take communion together. Um, but then, of course, you're not... How long can you hang around for some chat? What time do you have to go? We go at about one or so. Baptism today in terms of Joseph's baptized. What time do you need to leave? Well, we have to be out of the building by one, so but we will have enough time for some uh, chat. Yeah, we'd love to chat. In fellowship oh. after as well. Chat. So, would, would you mind if you if we did that in the chat okay. so that we can be finished by 12? Because okay. that's when we Sorry about that. I think Sorry for not being more succinct. I don't right think No, I, I don't think there's a problem at all. But I would just I wanted to give you one last. The reason, sorry, Patricia, is I wanted to also ask you whether you had anything else you wanted to add at the end here, wrap up, or anything you hadn't yet had a chance to say you wanted to say. Um, any last thoughts for us, in case we never see Not you again? Me. <laughs> I think really just to reiterate God's in control with our children. Well, you with, with there's life, there's hope. And not to give up, no matter what, how complicated it gets for us all in the future. Get them to read the Bible. One point, I think, I would think that came across. Yeah. Both Ben and Alice didn't have a connection with God, which is why that passage in Samuel is so special. And we used to make it our goal every year that they would develop a connection with God. And we pray every day that they would go call, and that happened. Yeah. So that's, I think that's, it's a thing God's hands on our hands. Yeah, I think, yeah, like, I think, as well, like, I think these are things are more complicated than we can even fathom a lot of the time. I think a, a five-year-old's mind, go back to the five-year-old, there's so much going on in there, which is, will come out at different ages and things. So just, a lot of time you have to just throw as much godly stuff at the wall and, you know, it will stick. But you don't know what will stick, you know. It might be your example, it might be just them reading. You're, you're repentant. Yeah, and you can ask him about my sins. I've actually allowed to get very well. That sticks. Well, I just want to say thank you very much for coming. Thanks for all the things you shared. Uh, we're very, very grateful. Thanks, Tim, Shelley.